How many know some Grinches in your life at this time of year? Would you raise your hand? Yes. How many feel like you are a Grinch at this time of year? Would you raise your hand? Shame on you. How many would rather die than have to put lights on your house? Would you raise your hand? Wow. We definitely, we definitely have some Grinches amongst us this evening. Now, if I could just have your attention for a minute here. Right up here, folks. Shh. The reason I want to go this direction is because we obviously don't have children's classes tonight. And all of us at this time of year are somewhat like children at heart. So this will be a fun time for us to look at the true Grinch or the real Grinch of Christmas. Because scripture is very clear. Before the green cre creature was ever created, there was a Grinch in existence 2,000 years ago. He was lurking about Judea. He was doing his thing way before Jesus was even born. We're going to talk about it. But we're going to also look at the regular Grinch, the one that was created by Dr. Seuss, because it's fun, because we got to start somewhere, right? So sit back, relax, and let's watch a little Grinch, okay? Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Oh, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. But whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve, hating the who. Staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown at the warm, lighted windows below in their town. For he knew every who down in Whoville beneath was busy now, hanging a holly who wreath. And they're hanging their stockings, he snarled for the sneer. Tomorrow is Christmas. It's practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers, nervously drumming. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Or tomorrow I know. All those school girls and boys will wake bright and early. They'll rush for their toys and then... Oh, that noise, oh, the noise, 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 noise. There's one thing I hate. All the noise, 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 noise. And they'll shriek squeaks and squeals racing round on their wheels. They'll dance with jing tinglers tied onto their heels. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, this whole thing right here freaked me out just a little bit. <laughs> the characters were a little weird. The items in the movie were just strange altogether, but the Grinch at this period of time when the book was made was really, really creepy and scary. How many would, re would uh, agree with me on that one? Would you raise your hand, please? Just a few? Am I just a weird sissy kid? <laughs> Who said, yep, get out of here, Joe? 
I was freaked out by the Grinch. Now, this is the new Grinch movie. It came out about a year ago, two years ago, maybe. And uh, he's still got a little creepage going on there. But the question this evening is, who really is the true Grinch of Christmas? Who is the one that we would claim, before this green character ever showed up, is the true Grinch of Christmas? Now, you obviously don't have to be green to be the Grinch. There's some Grinches in here that raised their hand already. You might be as ugly as this Grinch, but we got to go deeper than just the facial. we got to go to the heart, because I believe with all my heart that the real issue of the Grinch is an issue of the heart. It's always an issue of the heart in life. When it comes to problems in your marriage, it's usually an issue of the heart. When it comes to issues with your children, it's usually an issue of the heart, either yours or theirs. Here, here's where it, where it goes, according to the Bible, when it's dealing with the heart. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep thy heart with all what? Diligence. For out of it are the what? Out of it are the issues of life. Let me paraphrase and make this easy for you. Let me just put it down for all of us to understand, even the kids, all right? Your heart determines the type of person you'll be. Your heart determines the life you'll have. Your heart defines your outlook on life. Your heart really determines if you're going to have goals, ambitions, uh, if you're determined to fulfill those things that you set out to do at the beginning of the year. It's all about the heart. It was the heart that gave you the desire to go forward and get married. It was the heart when you were sitting in the pew that was pricked and convicted when you decided it was time to give your life to Jesus Christ. It was the heart that moved you, provoked you to grab that little baby just like this one up here and hold that child tight because you knew there was something special going on there that you could have never understood before that baby ever existed. That's all the issues of the heart. And that's why it's so important when the Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence. Be attentive to the heart. Now, with that in mind, I want you to think on this. The Grinch had a negative outlook on Christmas. He hated it, right? We all know the story since we were little about the story of the Grinch. He hated Christmas. Couldn't really understand what his deal was. And as you begin to watch, you come to realize the Grinch hated Christmas because it was a heart issue. He, he focused on the wrong things and it made his heart go the wrong direction. Become very angry toward the Who's of Whoville. And I feel as if before this ever took place, there was a character that existed that had some serious issues against some people that were not who's, they were Jews. But it was a weird hate-love situation that we'll talk about. But in our lives, we could act as if we embrace Christmas and we love Christmas and we despise those that say happy holidays and when we're at Walmart, we'd be sure to turn around and go, you mean Merry Christmas, right? Right. right. And then we move on, right? So we are passionate about it, but we're the same ones scooting down the aisles as fast as we can, loading up on Black Friday, focusing on making sure we got that list just right of everybody we need to take care of, and we've completely lost track in our hearts what this is all about. 
And thank God, once a week around this time, we show up at Fellowship Baptist Church and we calm down, hopefully, get our minds off of Ruby Tuesdays or Cracker Barrel, whatever's on our mind, and we start to listen to the music and as God starts to speak through our hearts through the worship and the message, we begin to go back to what it's truly about. And that grinchy heart of yours begins to fade a little bit and you begin to realize this is not what it's about. Rushing home, doing this, doing that. Who or what is pulling your heart in the wrong direction this season? Let's get real personal. Y'all ready? In-laws can devastate your Christmas. Family in general can destroy your Christmas. Your children, yes, I said it, can make you despise Santa Claus. You can easily be swayed on Christmas by those that are closest to you to want to become a Grinch because the heart becomes affected by those around you that have not focused on the right things. Got to go over here? I don't want to go there for Christmas. We've got to go there for Christmas. We do it every year. And then when we're done there, we're going to Uncle Billy's and Uncle Bobby's, and then we're going to Susie's, and then we're going to go down the road, and then we're just going to go to Grandma's and Great Grandma's and Great 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 Grandma's. And then we'll come home at 12 midnight, and then we'll just maybe open some stockings ourselves. Who wants what? I'd like to take a candy cane and just shove it in my eyeball. Y'all follow me? I just want to give up altogether on Christmas. Y'all are looking at me like, oh, good grief. You know it's true. When we get our eyes off the true meaning of Christmas and we've spread ourselves so thin, we can no longer see clearly. We've become Grinches ourselves. I think I love, I love the way this is put. Where is your focus and where is your heart? Can you relate to this? I love the way this is laid out. I think you can relate when you see this video. It's the Christmas season. It's that time of year when you unbury all the decorations from the attic in the garage. You put up the Christmas tree. You find that missing stocking with the reindeer on it. You clean out the gutters so that you can string up the lights before it snows or you're the last dark house on the block. The kids have road games, early practices, that huge history project and final test to study for, along with five different Christmas parties and your son's extra holiday hours at his part-time job. When can he start driving again? Don't forget to write down the dates and times for the performances and the rehearsals of the programs at church, at school, and at the senior center where they want you to come dressed up as an elf. In tights. Then there's the shopping. Your son wants a new gaming system that can read his mind. Your daughter wants a doll that you're gonna have to make payments on. Your sister's emailed you three times asking what you want for Christmas and why you haven't just gotten an Amazon wish list set up already. Your spouse thinks maybe the two of you should just get each other a new furnace for Christmas or maybe just donate all the gift money to orphans in Cambodia. And then there's the secret Santa thing at work. What's a white elephant gift again anyway? The school sent home a note saying half the kids have strep. Your spouse came home with a box of double extra strength cough medicine and a case of Kleenex boxes. You're pretty sure there was something wrong with that last piece of fruitcake you just ate. And your daughter's so stuffy she looks and sounds just like Rudolph. Christmas is at your parents' house this year, and at your spouse's brother's place down south, and at your aunt's place on the lake. If the weather's nice and your kids sleep in the car, you might just make it to all three, and you should make sure that you stop in at the office party for at least a little while. 
Also, your friends are in town, so could you set aside a night of the week to do a special Christmas just with them? Oh, and can we do it at your house? Your boss needs you to make sure you get that project done before Christmas, even though he's going to be out of town until January, and you have to cover for your coworker who spends every Christmas in Hawaii. Also, none of your contractors will answer the phone after December 15th. Plus, you need to make that green bean dish you're so good at for Christmas dinner, and that peppermint dessert all the kids love for the other Christmas dinner, and something gluten-free for Uncle Dale, and a backup ham just in case your mom's stove blinks out again. Also, there's cookies and carols at the church on Saturday afternoon. Everybody bring two dozen. Oh, and don't forget, Jesus is the reason for the season. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah. Pastors don't always enjoy Christmas. I probably, I've been full-time almost 20 years, and in that length of time, I have set up probably around, you're going to say, well, that, that isn't even adding up. If you knew how many different Christmas parties and so forth within the year, you would know it adds up. Around 120 different Christmas parties. And you set up 120 Christmas parties. Let me tell you, if you're hosting a Christmas party, it is not a party. It is just a thing you go to and just run around. Y'all follow me? You know what I'm talking about? Whether it's for a wana or your Sunday school class or it's at your house, whatever the case may be, you can get overwhelmed. And our hearts can start changing in a direction it's not meant to go when it comes to this time of year. This is one of the best times of the year. But it becomes one of the worst when we commercialize our own lives with all the things around us that pull us down. What does this have to do with the real Grinch of Christmas? I am afraid that we are entering in a very dangerous area of life, just like we're going to see 2,000 years ago, if we don't step back and analyze our hearts and make sure we're doing things for the right reason. Because if you're a grandparent or a great-grandparent or just a parent in general, you're training another generation to follow in your footsteps. And what you make this time of year out to be will determine how they make that year out to be for their children. Y'all follow me? Amen. So let's, let's find this out. Who is the true Grinch of Christmas? And where did all this Grinchy stuff start? When? Where? With who? Well, let's get into the Word of God. We're going to start and we're going to read together over in Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to read verse 1. And I'm going to have one of our guys help me out here, one of our men that has a prettier verse, voice than me, but he's still got the same head as me, don't you? Yeah. yeah. You're ready to go. Let's read together, okay? Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying... Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And we had gathered, when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. 
And he had sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me the word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they, came, when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. We're going to stop right there. almost cut you off too soon. Who are we talking about? Anybody caught on just yet who we're talking about as the true Grinch of Christmas? King Herod. King Herod. He definitely is the true Grinch of Christmas. This character is uh, interesting. He's one of the central figures of the Christmas story. Herod the Great was the king of the Jews. That is interesting because a lot of times we don't think about that. Did you notice I just said, the Bible says he was the king of the what? When Jesus was born, Herod and his sons ruled at that period of time. Now, obviously, Herod the Great was in, in office, if you would, when Jesus was born. And then throughout the life of Jesus and John the Baptist, the, the, the children of Herod took over and ruled. And we've seen problems all the way from the very beginning of Jesus' birth with this man named Herod. He is an unusual man. He is definitely, without a doubt, the true Grinch of Christmas. Let me give you a, a little bit background about Herod. He, he, was, um, he was born in 73 B.C. And the interesting thing about his period of time of reign, it was around 37 years he ruled in Judea, the land we know now as Israel. And while he was ruling, he was named Herod the what? It was really, the reason behind that is because he was so uh, intelligent and brilliant when it came to building structures. They called him Herod the Great, a genius of a man. Now, he desired greatly to be a Jew. But was Herod a Jew? Did anybody think that Herod was a Jew? Would you raise your hand? That's good, very good. I've met a couple of people just this week, and they said, I always thought Herod was a Jew. Well, he ruled and reigned for 37 years, Judea, and he claimed the Jewish traditions, but never was accepted as a Jew. You see, he was put in power because he worked the politics of Rome to get himself in a position that they would put him as the king of the Jews, but he never was accepted. His, uh, his, his dad was an Arab. He was an Arab. His mom was an interesting uh, woman herself. As a princess, she was in power. And because of this heritage he had, he wanted so desperately to be accepted in a powerful position himself. She was the princess of Petra. And his dad was a diplomat, powerful family, had huge connections with Rome. And Rome's hands were in everything. 
And that's why later on, after Herod passed away, you'd see uh, Herod the Great passed away. You'd see governors put in place. Think of a governor right now. Anybody can name a governor at the time of Christ that had a profound position with Rome? Do you remember? Serenius. How about Pilate? Caesar was more than a governor. He was claimed to be as a god. And, and Herod actually worked for Caesar. Herod got himself in a lot of trouble at the beginning because there was a civil war going on and, and uh, he was yoking up with some people that were going against who would soon be claimed the throne or the position of Caesar Augustus. Uh, and when he realized he was on the wrong side of the fence, if you would, he kissed up to Caesar Augustus and worked some things out and won uh, favor with Caesar Augustus, which put him in this place as king of the Jews. But he wasn't even permitted to show up at the temple. Though he built the temple, he rebuilt Solomon's temple. He was so desperate to be accepted by the Jews. He had the same diet as the Jews, but they despised him. You say, why would they even like him at all? I mean, he is the one that killed all the two-year-old babies that were boys to and under trying to find Jesus because all of this was taking place before Jesus ever showed up. You understand? So here's Herod. Let me show you something that's very interesting. Do you know who Herod's grandson is? Almost thou persuaded me, persuaded me to be a Christian. You remember who said that? Hmm? Yes, King Agrippa. Who's King Agrippa? He's in Herod. He's the great-grandson of King Herod. The Herods have hated Christianity in so many ways because they wanted to be the recognition of power. They wanted to be the king and the rulers. They wanted to dominate. And because the Jews never accepted him, he became very alarmed by the way people would treat him. He was constantly feared, uh, living in fear. He was constantly over, uh, looking over his shoulder, thinking there was a conspiracy against him. Somebody was plotting against him. Everybody was against him. And he was so fearful of this that he even, at one point, had his wife executed. She, he, he thought she was plotting against him. This is interesting, too, that even his three sons were executed. And his next wife was put to death. He was fearful that somebody was going to take his place as the king of the Jews. Which brings us to who? Jesus. Man, things are just not looking good. This is probably why he didn't have any problem slaughtering all these babies. So here's Israel, Judea, with all these different um, locations there in Israel. You'll see that he had his hand in control of all of it. So when the Bible says that when the king was upset, paraphrasing here, everybody was upset. Because you didn't want to rock the boat with Herod. He was a psychopath. He was a dictator. He was unpredictable. And as he got older, he got worse. He was very sick, and in his 70s, he finally passed away. But before all that took place, before all that went down, 
Herod was to the point that he was determined if he was not accepted as king, he would do whatever it takes to remain as the king regardless of what anybody thinks of him. And then it happened. Some folks showed up that he'd never expected this. Now, did he know the Bible or the prophecies, I should say? Yes, he did. But at times he would forget. So he brought in the prophets and he asked of them when he was approached by the wise men, what does it say concerning this? Let's go ahead and read. We're in um, Matthew chapter 2. And let's read verse 13, and we'll go down to, let's read all the way through verse 16, okay? Matthew 2, 13 through 16. Go ahead. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring the, the word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. And there was until the death of Herod, and, they, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So he is now beyond psycho. He's willing to take the life of babies. Let me paint a picture here. Israel at this time is no bigger than New Jersey. Bethlehem is only 12 square miles, not a very lo large location at all. I, I think uh, Canal Winchester is probably bigger than it was. That's why we sing the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And he decided that if the wise men weren't going to come back and tell him who this king is, then he'll just kill every child according to what he uh, figured would be the child's age. And so he sent his men out to slaughter all these babies. Mind you, he is absolutely at the end of his life and gone mad. And he had a disease that was affecting his skin. He was constantly itching. He was constantly irritated. He was so frustrated it got to this point that he would lose his kingdom to a child. And he wanted his kids and his grandkids to take the throne. And he wasn't going to stand for it. So this slaughter took place. And when it did, it affected all of Bethlehem. And Judea was shook by what happened. Now that is a true Grinch. He was going to go to whatever length he needed to go to to stop Christmas from happening. Hey, listen, the Grinch we know of, they both wanted to stop Christmas. Kids can relate to this story. They know that the Grinch hated Christmas because of the Who's. But the true Grinch of Christmas had a heart issue. And his heart was desperately wicked and full of pride to the point that he was willing to do whatever it took. I don't know if how many of the kids remember in here what the original Grinch here that we've seen the movies in the 60s and this one in the last two years, how far he went being a thief. You remember? The stockings, the Grinch are the first things to go. 
Then he slithered and slunk with a smile most unpleasant around the whole room, and he took every present. Popguns, pampoongas, pantoufas and drums, checkerboards, bistlebinks, popcorn and plums. Then he stuffed them in bags, then the crimp very nimbly stuffed all the bags one by one up the chimney. You're a vile one, Mr. Grinch. You have termites in your smile. You have all the tender sweetness of a seasick crocodile, Mr. Grinch. Given the choice between the two of you, I'd take the, um, seasick crocodile. Mr. Grinch, you're the king of sinful sots. You're a heart so dead tomato clutched with moldy purple spots, Mr. Grinch. You're a three-decker sauerkraut and toadstool sandwich with arsenic sauce. I don't know who wrote that song, but it has the most unusual lyrics. The Grinch was evil because his heart was bad. It was too small. You remember the story. But it goes so much deeper when it comes to Herod. There was so much evil in his heart because he was full of pride, arrogancy. I will never forget the day that I finally, truly, absolutely could understand what Christmas was about. It was so enlightening to me. It was so much more excitement to it. It wasn't just about the things around me. It became more clear than ever when I actually gave my life to Jesus Christ because the Holy Spirit was living in me and my heart changed. For us, it's of vital importance that we examine ourselves this Christmas and say, where have I gone? How far have I gone? Have I ran up the credit cards just to please my family? Have I run myself ragged to the point that I am not enjoying Christmas? Am I exhausted? If this is you, you need to slow down and re-examine your heart this Christmas. Because the problem started 2,000 years ago. And the problem started with King Herod. And he had the same type of issue. Pride. It's always pride. Me. What will people think about me? What if I don't do this? Then people will be upset with me. Me, me, me. Even when your kids are in their 30s, you'll never please them. How many would agree with that? Amen. Yeah. So stop trying to please everybody and start pleasing Jesus Christ. And let's put him at the focal point. The good thing about this Grinch, the green one, he had a change of heart. Herod never changed his heart. He died in his upper 70s, angry and bitter. He was so angry when he was about to die... He knew people hated his guts and nobody liked him at all. And it grieved him. So he picked some nobles, top leaders in the Jewish community. And he selected them to come to the king's palace. And he said to his wife, upon my death, his third wife, have them put to death. 
Because when they die, at least somebody will mourn on the day of my death. And when he died, she chose to let them go. Now that's a true issue of the heart, is it not? Just for the fun of it, why don't we close with this. Uh, that famous moment when the Grinch finally had a change of heart. of the small was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzle was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Christmas came through, and the Grinch found the strength of ten Grinches, plus two. And now that his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light. With a smile in his soul, he descended Mount Crumpet, cheerily blowing hoo-hoo on his trumpet. He rode into Whoville, he brought back their toys, he brought back their floof to the Who girls and boys. He brought back their snoop and their tringlers and fuzzles, brought back their pantukas, their dafflers and wuzzles. He brought everything back, all the food for the feast. And he, he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beast. Welcome, Christmas. Bring your cheer. Cheer to all who's far and near. Christmas Day is in our grasp, so long as we have hands to clasp. Christmas Day will always be just as long as we have we. Welcome Christmas while we stand, heart to heart and hand in hand.
you have to ask yourself this question. How is your heart? How's your heart this Christmas? I know this is a different approach because we have little ones and big ones. We've got people of all ages in here. But as simple as it is, it is so easy for us to forget what it's truly about. So I'm going to ask you to slow down this weekend. Gather your senses. Focus correctly on the true meaning of Christmas. That means you need to go home, sit on the couch, shut off the TV and hallmark. <laughs> if you have a fireplace, get that going. Listen to some good Christmas carols. Read the Christmas story and relax a little bit. Then do so before you start baking and cooking. Enjoy this time because that's what it's all about. We've just commercialized it. And we've allowed ourselves to get in the way, just like Herod did.